Pastor Jeff says Jesus came to fulfill the law, not destroy it. There's people that throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know. They say, okay, then if we're no longer under the law, we don't need the law. All we need is grace and truth in Jesus. God forbid that we would turn our backs on that which is good and that which is going to last forever and not one jot nor tittle will go away from it. In other words, Jesus is telling them, you guys, I'm not coming to relieve you of the law and to let you, you know, be relaxed now. <laughs> I'm coming to fulfill the law. I'm coming to bring forth the law in a more powerful way than it's ever been brought forth. Your spirit leads me Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. That sure makes it clear we're saved by grace and not by trying to live up to the standard of the law. But does that mean the law of God is unnecessary? Today on Sound Doctrine, we'll learn that Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but rather fulfill it. But what should our response be to the law? Let's find out together as we join Pastor Jeff Johnson. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, this morning, as we continue in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this morning, we start a new section of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, the Beatitudes described the Christian, gave a beautiful description of the character of the man or woman of God. We are salt, and we must continue to be light. And it's sort of like Jesus is like a parent that's going away, and he's saying, uh, be sure to remember who you are, and be good, and behave, and represent me well. Uh, After all, we are children of God, and so we're taking on the characteristics of God. We are citizens of heaven, and so we are inviting others to come join us. And there are those that teach, though, otherwise. There are those that confuse this whole thing of what some people call religion to a right relationship with the Lord. And because of this, the Lord is very careful to let us know that we need to be careful how we teach and what we say and what we don't say or what we do say. Uh, Remember in James 3, 1, he says, He that is a teacher receives the greater condemnation. But we're all to make disciples in Christ. I mean, we're all to share the Scriptures. And and in a way, we're kind of teachers, all of us, because we're leading others in the way. And we need to be careful how we do that. Because there's a lot of people out there teaching, isn't there? But not all of them are teaching in the way of life. I have a story that kind of speaks about this, being careful how we teach 
and how we instruct others. It was early in the 1900s, and I think this is a, a true story. I'm not sure. But in the early 1900s, there was a train that was going from Chicago to St. Louis in a dense winter storm. At one stop, a passenger noticed a mother and two children all bundled up coming aboard. She tried to tell the conductor that she must get off at a small town stop of Beaumont, which is right before St. Louis. The the conductor was very busy. Uh, The train was full. There was a lot of commotion. So the passenger squeezed into a spot next to the mother and said to her, it's so busy, he might have forgotten, uh, but I know this route and I'll make sure that they stop for you. Hours later, as they've been traveling down the line, he woke her up and he told her that her spot was next. She bundled up her kids, and when the train had stopped, she jumped out with the kids into the blizzard. The train took off, and then about a half an hour later, the conductor came looking for the woman that wanted to get off at Beaumont and said, It's coming up in five minutes, Beaumont. The man was horrified and said, I've been on this run hundreds, hundreds of times, and Beaumont has always been the fifth stop. The conductor said, oh, that last stop was at at an emergency stop to pick up more water for our boiler. It was at a water tank in the middle of nowhere. They both knew that in that sub-freezing temperature, after about a half an hour, that the woman and her two kids would be dead. And as they sent help back, it was true. They were dead. Pretty heavy. It's easy to say, get off. This is your stop. But to be sure, to know what you were saying, because souls are in the balance, aren't they? Souls are in the balance. How do we give God glory? How do we direct people in the right way? Well, simply said, the Lord says to us to live a life of righteousness. In fact, that's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, righteousness. Remember, we started looking at this word in verse 6 of chapter 5 when he talks about, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Going on into verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for what? For righteousness' sake. And so what he's talking about is all about righteousness. Jesus is revealing this righteousness and this righteous, righteous life that we're to be living. And so he's actually giving us some more characteristics to have in our lives as we move along in the Sermon on the Mount. He first, remember, gives the principle, and then he begins to illustrate the principle. So here now, we left off in verse 17, we're getting the principle, and later on, he's going to give us the illustration to illustrate it more so, so we can really remember it. Foundation is so important. Verse 17 now of Matthew 5, Think not that I have come to destroy the law. Or the prophets, I am come to destroy, not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily or truly, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass. Now, that's an interesting statement. Jesus is saying heaven and earth is going to pass away. The Bible teaches that over and over again. So, until heaven and earth pass. One jot, and the word jot there is in the Hebrew, yud. Or is it yod or yud? Yud. Yud is the smallest. My wife knows Hebrew. That's why I looked at her. (laughs) 
And I'm getting it a little bit. But the yud is the smallest, like a little comma used in the Hebrew language to make it mean a certain syllable and a certain way to say it. And then he says, or one tittle. The tittle is the difference between the, the letters of Hebrew that look very much the same, but the difference between them. Shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So Jesus is talking about his relationship with the law. And it is going to be fulfilled until, the, until, until eternity comes. And not until then, it, it'll still be held up. It's still right on. It's still going to be held accountable to. So the law and his relationship with the law. And he's really saying here that none of his teaching is against the law. It doesn't contradict it. It's all in harmony with the law and the prophets. And then he says, verse 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so here he is stating that all that's taught in the Old Testament and that what he has been teaching and is going to teach is in utter contradiction with the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, the four Gospels tell us that, that... They weren't the best of friends, were they? The Pharisees, the scribes, and Jesus. They weren't embracing one another at all. I mean, there was total contradiction going on. And here he reveals also the relationship of the Christian with the law, our relationship with the law, which is very important. We need to have an understanding of this, especially in going into the rest, the remaining part of the Sermon on the Mount. He's really revealing why he, why we, will be rejected and endure much affliction and trials. Why? Because righteousness is misunderstood. What is righteous? What is right before God? So, Jesus taught doctrine. He criticized wrong doctrine. He came to set the captives free. He came to correct what man, what religion was setting up versus what God truly wanted to be set up. Paul, talking about doctrine, he says, don't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and his craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speak the truth in love. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what we need to continue to do. Yes. You know, I mean, a lot of people say, well, why, why, are, you more, why are you not more positive in, in your sharing? And why sometimes do you get so negative about certain individuals and certain sects and certain situations? Well, I'm just following what the Lord did. And the Lord at times got negative. And he got down on those that were teaching opposite from what God was trying to instruct the people. And he cared about doctrine, healthy teaching. And there was some teaching that was not healthy. And some men were saying, it's time for you to get off. (laughs) And it was leading men astray. It was dangerous. 
So he taught us to warn. He taught us to judge. He taught us to use the Word of God for everything as far as is it according to the Scriptures and to deal with false doctrine and prophets. Now, Jesus continually dealt with heresy, man's traditions. And we need to earnestly, Jude says, contend for the faith against those that are ungodly, those ungodly men who pervert God's grace. And I think the worst offenders, and even today it's the same, are those who are religious. Now, you know great religious organizations that are existent today and what's going on in them and how many people are being ripped off from a relationship with the Lord and how they serve religion and how they go after religion, which will not save them. That is scary. After all they put in, the many hours and the many things that they do to to say that I'm righteous when they're not righteous, that is really scary. So this is very critical, what we're talking about here. Jesus' teaching was very confusing, was very threatening to the religious of the time, even today. They said, well, he has no credentials. He's not a Pharisee. Who does this man think he... Where's he from, anyhow? Nazareth? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. What's this all about? Who is this guy? And what is he saying? He has no right to say what he is saying. I remember when I was up in the mountains, I was only a couple months old in the Lord, and I wanted to lead a couple of, the, a couple of my friends to the Lord. They were in Eastern religion, as I used to be, and I, I shared with them, and it was a great time. They came to the Lord, and, and uh, one of the brothers just went, ho- went home to be with the Lord uh, a couple years ago. But I, I was one was instrumentally used by God to bring him to the Lord. Now I know where he is, and I got to do his, his memorial, too. And it was just incredible to share that personal testimony. But as I was up there, we met some other brothers and sisters who they, they just, you know, were excited about the Lord. So I said, hey, let's have a Bible study. So we all gathered together in this little cabin up there. And we're all having a neat little Bible study. I was taking them through the scriptures, and we were just rejoicing in the Lord. And then I said, I just, the Lord put it on my heart, just let's have communion together, guys. And so we started getting ready for the communion. Everybody's excited. And, and a couple of them came up to me, and they said, what are you doing? I said, we're going to have communion. You can't do that. And I said, what do you mean? Are you a priest? I said, well, um, uh, I, I don't know. I, well, no. I, well, you can't give us communion if you're not. You've got to be a priest to do this. Come on, man. We're Catholic, and this is wrong, what you're doing. Stop it right now. And it just caused a real big problem in the study. And I just thought, this is crazy. But, you know, there are those that just feel that way. And they're, they're, they're deceived. They're sincere, but they're sincerely deceived. And, and they... And that's like with, you know, people getting baptized. Now, are you a man of God? You know, well, yeah, I'm a man of God. Are you a, a minister? I mean, I you only ministers baptize, and that's not true. You don't have to have a minister baptize you. But people get that way, you know, when they, when they get steered wrong. And, and, and they cause problems. So Jesus began to criticize the religious of the day. He denounced them. In fact, look at over in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his doctrine. 
They couldn't believe what he was talking about. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He taught them like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is, and they had ears to hear and they loved it. This, I want to hear more about this. Of course, he was the son of God. And he taught the law, but then he taught grace and truth. He taught beautiful parables like the prodigal, the prodigal son, and how he got off and how he came back and the father received him. And, and then he, he was one that would eat with sinners and wine-bibbers, those that drank alcoholic beverages, you know. He would actually, you know, go to them and talk with them. And they just said, who is this man? He's definitely not a Pharisee, you know. Pharisee. As Pharisees, we would not do that, you know. And they just thought so differently. At times, it's interesting, as you read the Gospels, he went out of his way to break the traditional law of man. He would just go break the Sabbath. Now, you say, but the Sabbath is one of the Big Ten. Yeah, it it is one of the Big Ten. But it was given to Israel, if you read your Old Testament correctly, it was given for the nation, Israel, not to the church. That's why you don't hear about it in the New Testament. And yet there are those that would say, oh, you guys worship God on Sunday? No, that's wrong. You're supposed to, you know, respect the Sabbath and make it holy. You're supposed to be worshiping God on Saturday. You're going to go to hell. You know, they get freaked out about that. Oh, how they need to read their Old Testament and and understand what the Lord is saying. But he would actually heal a man. And he would do things and tell a man to take up his bed and walk and and tell a man that was blind to be healed. I mean, he did these things all the time on the Sabbath. Not to bug them and not to, you know, agitate them, but to teach them how they were getting off. That the, the Lord is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Sabbath is made for man. But these guys were into it. And, and, and they had hundreds and hundreds of laws that they put on concerning the commandments of God. In fact, they had all kinds of things as far as the burden of the Sabbath. You know, And what is the burden? What is a burden on the Sabbath you cannot do? And they had these great books written about all this stuff. Well, definitely on the Sabbath you can't light a fire because that's work. And so you'd have to do all your cooking the night before, before the Sabbath, because you couldn't strike a flame. And they just had many different things. If you had false teeth, guess what? That's work. Take them out. You can't have them in on the Sabbath. If you have a wooden leg, take it off, because that's work. And they got into these things. In fact, they, they said you could only work or walk on the Sabbath three-quarters of a mile. That's just it. That's it. Any more further would be works. But they figured it out, and if you can take some boards with you and some sticks, you make a little hut about three-quarters of a mile, and then go ahead and take some more boards and sticks and go three-quarters of a mile more and make another little hut. So that's your house. So every time you go three-quarters of a mile, it's according to the law then. So you could walk a long ways just making huts as you go. They figured it out, you know. They got it down. But healing on the Sabbath day, I mean, this, that's... They were angry. And Jesus was saying, you guys, God's going to take a day off from healing? No, he heals all the time, even on the Sabbath. And they were so shook up about it. Instead of rejoicing about it, they were angry that a man was healed? Can you imagine God taking off a day? 
Okay, world, I'm taking off today. We'd be in a world of hurt. He never takes off. He's always working, isn't he? He's always ministering. Dr. Jesus, making house calls free of charge. He's right there with prayer, and he begins his work. So his theory and practice that Jesus brought was questioned. Well, this guy doesn't believe in the law. He's come to destroy the law and the prophets. This is some kind of new teaching. And he denounces the law. This is wrong. He's a traitor. This is full of heresy. And, and they continually bucked what he said and came against him, trying to entrap him. Now, Jesus knew that this was coming, that there would be misunderstandings about righteousness. And so he began to meet their criticism right up front, and he prepared his disciples for this misunderstanding by giving them two fundamental truths. Number one, he says, here's how you're to live amongst these people. And number two, here's how to be a light amongst these people. So always the truth is forewarned is forearmed, and he was trying to arm his disciples against these that would come against righteousness. This was and is a problem today, isn't it? A confusion about righteousness. A confusion, and and many stumble at, at Christ being the only way to heaven. Is there any other way but Jesus said, no, you must be born again. And then can you imagine the Pope saying, that there is other ways to be born again. I mean, this is... We talk about heresy. It's crazy what's going on. And yet, people today, they say, come on, there's got to be... You know, what are you doing coming against this? This is what we've always done. This is the way to salvation. When Jesus said, I am the only way. There is no other way to to the Father but through me. That's, That's it, bottom line. No other way, no other truth, no other life. Now, some have said that Christ's teachings in the Gospels... He always spoke of law. He would speak of the law. So that's under the law. That's probably for the Jews. But it's different when you listen to Paul's teaching because he talked a lot about grace. And that's what we like to hear. But then others would look at John, like John 1, verse 17, where it says that, well, through Moses, the law came. He was the lawgiver. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we no longer need the law. In fact, we're no longer under the law, which is true in a way. But then there's people that throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know. They say, okay, then if we're no longer under the law, we don't need the law. All we need is grace and truth in Jesus. God forbid that we would turn our backs on that which is good and that which is going to last forever and not one jot nor tittle will go away from it. In other words, Jesus is telling them, you guys, I'm not coming to relieve you of the law and to let you, you know, be relaxed now. (laughs) I'm coming to fulfill the law. I'm coming to bring forth the law in a more powerful way than it's ever been brought forth. Oh, and we're going to see it as he goes on in the Sermon on the Mount, how powerful it can become. He begins to talk about it in a man's own heart and in his own mind. Forget the outward stuff. Let's talk about you inwardly. That's Pastor Jeff Johnson with Sound Doctrine from the Gospel of Matthew about the law of the kingdom. For a copy of today's message on CD, give us a call at 800-353-7553. 
The suggested donation is $5. Again, we're here to serve you at 800-353-7553. You can also listen to our studies in Matthew's Gospel at our website and through our mobile app. We're on the web at sounddoctrineradio.org. And you can download the Sound Doctrine podcast app in the App Store or get it from Google Play. Look for Sound Doctrine wherever you get your podcasts and at oneplace.com. Here at Sound Doctrine, we're committed to helping you build your life on the sound doctrine contained in God's Word. And we have a special resource to recommend that can help you in that endeavor. It's a passion for Jesus. This is a collection of easy-to-read daily devotions written by Kay Smith, Linya Heitzig, Karen Johnson, Sharon Reese, Karen Pulley, Gail Mays, and more. Ladies, you'll be greatly encouraged each day as they pour out their hearts, sharing personal experiences of God's faithfulness. I think you'll find it both edifying and encouraging at the same time. Available right now at SoundDoctrineRadio.org. Then click on Store. Or call 800-353-7553. We're grateful for your prayers and partnership. Together we can help people all over the world have access to Sound Doctrine in God's Word and grow as a result. You can make a secure donation online at SoundDoctrineRadio.org. Or again, call 800-353-7553. If you find these daily studies encouraging, we'd like to know. You can email us today at sounddoctrine at calvarydowney.org. Please also mention the station you listen to. That's sounddoctrine at calvarydowney.org. There's more to come in the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll pick up where we left off next time on Sound Doctrine with Pastor Jeff. May God richly bless you and strengthen you as you live according to Sound Doctrine. This program is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Downey. So far.